Breaking the Silence with Dr. Gregory Williams. Dr. Williams is the author of the acclaimed book, Shattered by the Darkness, Putting the Pieces Back Together After Child Abuse. Dr. Williams is on the senior leadership team at Baylor College of Medicine in Houston, Texas. And Dr. Williams travels the United States speaking and training professionals, parents, and victims about the importance of dealing with abuse and personal trauma head-on and not being afraid to break the silence of your own personal pain. Feel free to call in to tonight's show at 888-627-6008 and speak with Dr. Williams and his guests live on air. And now, your host, Dr. Williams. city in the world, Houston, Texas, and you look behind me, and it's just, uh, the sun's going down, and it's looking awesome back here, kind of hazy today, but it's been warm in the mid-90s, and uh, kind of, I don't know what dog days are going to be come August, September, but boy, it's warm right now here in Houston. Welcome to the program tonight. It's going to be one of those programs that uh, you're going to want to have a pencil handy, a piece of paper, and just write down some fun quotes, because I think there's a lot of quotes, it's probably because we both are lovers of quotes. Uh, my guests and I, and uh, good, meaningful ones. So we're going to be giving you some of those. But most of all, we're going to give you some tips, techniques, methods, ways to be able to get more out of life, more out of work, and in the process, stress less. Who wants that? I do, I do, uh, because we don't need that stress in our life because so much of that stuff, at least I found out in my own life, is self-inflicted stress when I could just calm out, chill out, cool down, and uh, relax in what we have been given. You know, one thing that I uh, always like to do is I like to spend a, a couple minutes uh, sharing with you what is going on in my life uh, during the week. Uh, but before we get to our guests tonight, I want to let you know that you can get involved two different ways uh, tonight. And go ahead and write this down, 888 627 6008. We would love to have you call in. Uh, we may have our infamous phone caller tonight. We don't know. We'll find out if Kayla's going to call in a little bit later. But uh, 888-627-6008. Or you can get on the Shattered by the Darkness Facebook page. I believe my son Curtis is watching that and taking care of that all the way in the beautiful state of Hawaii. Somebody's got to do it tonight. But I believe he's there um, on a job uh I guess, task. Uh, he won't tell me what he's doing over there with the Army, but I believe he's there serving with the Army. Uh, but he'll be watching the uh, Breaking the Silence Facebook page. So uh, just welcome to the program and sit back and relax. Yeah, there's an NBA Finals going on, but there's going to be another one of those probably tomorrow night, two or three more of those before it uh, finishes up. But tonight you're going to get some things that we can actually use, um, give us a little bit of knowledge and wisdom, of how to handle our life uh, a little better uh, and maintain it a little better. You know, it seems like there's so many times in life that there's things that we want to get, want to achieve, uh, want to reach. And I let you know that the only way to do that is for you to fight for it. 
Uh, you are in a fight for your life. And sometimes all those things that you want in life, you think you're just going to get it by sitting back and relaxing. And most of the times it doesn't happen that way. Whatever you're feeling, whatever you're going through, it's not the feeling and the position that you want to be in in life. Then you have to be prepared to be able to stand up and and rush at it and fight for it. Fight for the life that you want and be ready, prepared, focused to embattle in that fight. Fight for love. Fight for family. Fight for peace. Fight for passion. Fight for God. Fight for truth. And there's so many of those fight fors that I think sometimes we let people come in and steal that stuff away from us. And never even give up a struggle. But we just kind of said, oh, okay, you can have that. But you need to fight for your dignity. Fight for your rights. Fight for your priorities. Fight for equality. You know, I I try to fight for hope. You know, I end the program every week where there's always going to be hope. Sometimes you have to fight for that hope. Sometimes you have to dig for that hope. Sometimes you have to pick yourself up and brush yourself off and say, hey, I'm not giving up. I, I'm, I'm trusting in this. I'm going to fight for that, and I give myself hope. You need to fight for our virtues, our independence. But most of all, whatever you do, fight for you. You're worth that. Don't give up too soon. And how badly you want something in your life dictates how hard you are willing to fight for. And the only person who's going to give you the security and the life that you want is you. Don't try to find that in somebody else. Ladies, if you're out there trying to find that one person that will give you life, strength, and hope, and everything in life for you, it's you. It's not in another person. Because that other person can come in your life, and that other person can just walk out of your life by choice or by accident, by life or by death. So that strength and that interdependence needs to come from within you. You're worth that fight. And you can't have a a million-dollar dream on a minimum wage work ethic. I believe, and one thing that I was so proud of when I raised my boys, even though I did so many things wrong, how I raised them, and we've talked about that time after time. We did that a Father's Day uh, several years ago. I had them on the radio show, and they told me what I did wrong, and, and I admitted to a lot of things that I did wrong. But one thing I taught them was work ethic. If you want something, you got to get up and do it. Very rarely is it handed to you in this life. Dreams don't work unless you do. And I think that's something that is important. And with our guest tonight that has that extra special sense of wisdom, knowledge, and intelligence, and experience, he's going to probably tell us whether I'm right or wrong, but tell us how important is the work and how does that correlate with your life? A lot of people think their life is their work. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that what you want out of life, you have to be determined to go fight for it, and it's up to you to make that happen. If you want something that you've never had, you obviously have to do something that you've never done before. 
because things just don't change. If we just sit back and expect everything to maintain the same and something to change in that process, I believe, I don't know who it was, uh, that's absolutely uh, idiotic. Things happen because you change and you want to make a determination and decision. And at the end of the day, let's be honest, you know, as the, the sun goes down behind me, the sun goes down on my own life and my own mortality. The only thing at the end of the day that I'm going to be able to have is my reputation, is what I've given other people, the impact that I've made and what I stood for. So you have to keep your reputation guarded and you have to keep it close to your heart. Don't sell it off for the next shiny thing that's on that carousel called life that you reach for. Sometimes that brass ring, just because it looks shiny, isn't the one you want. When there's a gold one hanging there, shiny, and it looks just the same, just beyond it. And all it takes is a little bit more work and determination. And who was it? Uh, Warren Buffett that said it takes 20 years to build a reputation and five minutes to absolutely ruin it. If you think about that, you'll do things differently. That's what I was thinking about this week. Um, fight for it. Your life's worth it. Whatever you want and whatever dream, whatever you want to achieve in your life, don't expect somebody to hand it to you. Rise above the level. Work hard. Fight hard. Dream hard. Hope hard. And never give up. Because it's in you. All you have to do is allow it to come. Tell you what. I am thrilled tonight to have back by popular demand. And it's because we just flat didn't get to all the questions that I had and all the comments. Because I read both of his books. And he is the author of Suffer Less in life and work. And that's the one we're going to really talk about. And the one we talked about last time, which is a few weeks ago, suffer less in death. And uh, Vincent Dodd, I consider him just a friend of mine. We have never met in life, but we met a time or two on the phone and on this show. And this is uh, my extreme honor and pleasure to welcome him to the program tonight. Make sure if you have any questions about life, work, and how to get there, 888-627-6008. I want to welcome to the program, Vincent Dodd. Vincent, are you there? Can you hear me? I am. Hi. Thank How you. Thank you. How's everything going? It's going well, and I certainly appreciated the lead-in. Um, thank you for giving me permission to tell you that you're wrong. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding you. Uh, one of the first things that came to mind while you were talking about, and you mentioned your boys and that you've done things wrong, yeah. Uh, and I recently told this story and I hadn't hadn't mentioned it for years, uh, but it's a it's a good lead in. It's 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 soft and funny. So my brother who's 10 years older than I am. Uh, when he had uh, his first child and I, my, my parents were there shortly afterwards. And then a few years later, of course, they're you know, everybody's seeing him and visiting. Uh, he ended up having six children, just like I am number six. Also, so you have to realize that my father is the father of six kids. When he asked my brother, he said, do you know about the terrible twos? And my brother gave him a beautiful textbook answer. He did. My father told me the story. He said um, that uh, he gave him a great textbook answer. He said, yes, it's when they start to develop. Children start to develop their autonomy and 
Uh, they want to, they're figuring out they're their own person and it's often, you know, it's often displayed and saying no to things. No, I don't want this. No, 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 no. And my father, with his years of experience, who didn't say, my father didn't say a lot, but it was either funny or meaningful. He said, no, Greg, he said, the terrible twos last from two to 22. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Um, this is in, in your work and your work experience. When did you start gathering all this knowledge, or have you always had a second sense? Because as I go through that book and I read scanned it again today after reading it twice before our last visit, um, there's so many topics that this suffer less in life and work um, deals with. Where did you come up with all this? create information. It did start at a very young age. As I joked in the last interview, you know, my first argument, I probably, with the older brother and sisters, the first argument I probably heard, I was still in the uterus. And then I watched yeah. the first one standing there in a dirty diaper with the bottle in my hand. I, but I don't know. It's, a, it's an incredible question. Uh, I think one of the reasons why there are so many different angles is that I realize that we as human beings and we as a society, we do have so many different angles. Um, and I, I want to say, I think it's probably one of the slight downfalls of our, of our times is you think whether or not it's an argument with your, with your partner or it's our politics and everything in between, which is a huge amount of distance, is we want one answer. We want a black and white answer. And if we are dealing with human beings, there's rarely black and white answers. There sometimes are, but there rarely really are functional ones that are filled with balance that fully encompass the human spirit, which is so diverse. Mm -hmm. um, so what I realized is very early on is that everything is an influence. Everything is a factor. Everything kind of goes in and either contributes or stirs us or uh, reinforces us or breaks us down. Um, so I approached it from so many angles because that's that's a reality of, of human life. And, you know, when someone says, oh, you just did that because that was one of them. But let's look at the other reasons. Um, and I think it's one of the reasons why an apology, a really good apology, should include the reasons, not the excuse. There is a difference oh. between reasons and excuse. I think a good apology will include, let me look at why I made that mistake, and let me show you that I want to try to do better, and I looked at the pathology behind the behavior or, or what I said or what I didn't do. That's powerful, and it makes the apology probably a lot more um real a lot more meaningful because that that could be very powerful i i, I think it's a, a big part of a good apology is the pathology behind the behavior yeah. it means you care to look at it you care to, to dissect it and you care to do better because we're not we're not light switches it's not like i can say oh i'm sorry i did that and it means i'm never going to do it again but a good apology means I'm going to look at the behavior of why I did it, and I'm going to try really hard not to do it again. I'm going to attempt to change the behavior. I, like I always say, I think we're more like a rheostat than we are a switch if we want to change a behavior. In your book, I, I believe I'm right on this. Tell me if I'm wrong. In the one that I want to focus on tonight, the, the suffer less in uh, life and work, you have on the, the cover, is it not a rearview mirror? Beside, that's and true. then you have in the book, Wider Angle, as part of 
the each chapter type thing uh, with deeper thoughts. Um, why the rearview mirror? What's the what's the full circle of your thought process when you created the cover or gave ideas for it or the publisher did? Wow, it's a powerful question with an exceptional answer that has the ability to help us change a lot of things, including inside of ourselves. Mm. The rearview mirror is, imagine driving and only looking in your rearview mirrors. What are you going to hit? You're going to hit something in front of you, right? And as individuals in the society, we want to really hold on to what's back there. And we want to do it with anger, whether it's anger, whether it's a prejudice feeling, whether it's an injustice that was done to us or to someone else, um, our our people. Uh, We want to hold on to mistakes that other people made, hold it against them, et cetera, et cetera. And all of that is really just holding us back because it's already happened. I think it's important that we learn from our past. I think it's important that we identify the issue of why it occurred, but not for the purpose of blame. I think it's important that we do it for the purpose of education and solution-based effort and energy to not let it happen again or to attempt to decrease it. And so the rearview mirror has to do with what's going on with our, our, our society and our relationships is we're not coming to the present and looking forward, and I've been guilty of this in my past, but you, but you, but you said, but you did. And it really gets in the way of us looking forward and moving forward. Uh, and that's the reason why that the rearview mirror is, this is on the covers, because if yeah. we keep looking in our mirrors, this was an injustice. You shouldn't, but my people had this done to them. Look what happened over here. Does sometimes focusing on the rearview mirror in our life change the direction that we're supposed to be going because we're too focused on how we've been treated or abused or betrayed, and we think everybody in the future is going to do the same when that's just simply not the case? And so it kind of we don't get that chance to to reach our ultimate destiny uh, because we're too busy thinking it's going to happen again. Or we can't let go of the fact that it did happen. It it really does get in the way of our moments. Um, you, you know, as I, me- I mentioned, if you, if we were to back up, and these are really sensitive and powerful subjects, and I'll give it, I'll give you a reminder again that both of my books start with a warning because I am addressing issues that cause a lot of issues that cause us to become angry and defensive and aggressive and to blame. But those are the things that are destroying us as an individual and as a society. So I am going to, what I'm about to use as an example is is some sort of social injustice. Um, That if we're going to hold on to that, we we don't want to hold on to it. Let's take a look at, um, let's do the big one. Let's look at our racism issues. of the hatred that's out there and the blame and the finger pointing with our racial issues. If we hold on to this, I think there are those people who want to remain angry and would like to retaliate for what's been done, uh, would like to retaliate for the uh, aggression or what is considered the suppression that still occurs. Uh, But it eats, first it eats ourselves 
And then it eats our potential. Because to blame the wonderful people of today, not everybody, but there are a lot more wonderful people today if you look at the, the increase in acceptance, the increase in tolerance uh, that is out there. Now, you have some people that are going the opposite way that want to hold on to the past and they'll do anything to hold on to it, whether it's blame or anger or whether it's what they think is right. This is how we, we've done it. This is how we should do it, which is only holding us back because the way it was is not the way it is or the way it will be. Um, so I think a big part of it is the ability to say, this is where we are now and where do we want to go? The great majority of people would like a more peaceful society. The great majority of people would like a more courteous and polite society. You know, we, we, I talk to so many people about driving. Uh, driving is, is so aggressive and considerate at times, uh, but it's a great example of how we treat each other. And we, there are so many different potentials for us to say, okay, if we want peace and we, we want equality, Let's start to create that today and stop looking at the past except for the purpose of education and to not make mistakes again. Yeah. Do you believe that bitter people hurt people hurt people? Um, and that fragments, I think that's the line that you use in your, your bio, fragmented people causes a fragmented society, which causes that downward fall spiral that can be fixed with the right change of uh, thought process. Um, there's, no, yeah, it, it, it's sticking onto the same thing of being stuck. Um, I'm a firm believer that we have a choice. I remember I, I've always shared, and I shared the last show, don't ever let go of your free will and choice. It's the most powerful thing you have. Yeah. I always appreciated the examples of uh, the people that were in the concentration camps in Germany. Uh, they still knew they had their free will and choice and thought, and they maintained that, and they held on to it. Um, and I'm, I'm a firm believer that free will and choice is important today, uh, that we move forward. Uh, and that is a choice of every individual. If we were to look at it globally and go, oh, the, like all of a sudden things are not going to be utopic. We're not going to change everything quickly. But every single individual has the ability to vary and adapt uh, to our times instead of to our past. It's just a matter of wanting to and feeling the security to do it and the safety to do it and the importance to do it. Uh, the importance is there for our future generations. Yeah. Do um, what what is it, uh, Vincent, that has you? Because I can I can tell when you write books like this and the depth that you go in your books, you have another book being created in your mind right now. What is it that you're really passionate about that you can let me in, uh, or let the cat out of the bag of what you're thinking of, what you're noticing, what you would like to uh, reveal to the world next? Uh, in your upcoming uh, writings? Your, your questions are powerful. Uh, <laughs> and I, it's not like it's a political commentary where you're putting me on the spot <laughs> on a Saturday morning uh, political <laughs> view show. 
but it's still uh, it's still a powerful question. The my drive comes from a desire to make a difference. Yeah, and it that it also comes from my years in in not only my own pain through my childhood and adolescence because of learning disabilities and migraine headaches uh, that did start to go away in the eighth grade. Learning disabilities didn't, you know, the migraine headaches did, and then school got easier at that point. Um, when I tried to commit suicide in the seventh grade, it was the first time I had failed at something that I was grateful that I'd fail that uh, because I realized that nothing and no one is worth that, uh, especially in our youth. I hate to see so much uh, of our young people and increasing middle age uh, committing suicide and they're using a permanent solution often to a temporary problem. Um, and I, I wish that instead of saying, well, I'm going to give up, uh, that we would turn to a situation where we say, I'm going to change. And I'm, I'm well, the way I've been doing it is not working. And that's what I had to do. So I think the answer to the, the question that you're asking me is really, it came from my childhood and then walking into the emergency room and spending 21 years dealing with people in front of me that either they're sometimes completely completely innocent victims to a situation or an illness. But so often people are, are in an emergency room from something that could have been prevented. Not always, not always. And I took those years as an opportunity to look at what got us, got people to the emergency room. What got me to my my down points in my life? What What brought me to my failures? And instead of saying, I've done everything right, I've decided to look at life and go, what have I done wrong? Um, so that myself can do better and others uh, can learn from my mistakes also. That's great. That's great. Um, do you have another book in you? Or are you typing up a manuscript right now? I actually uh, would love to do a series of children's books. I've ah. written several of them. Um and it does deal with the same thing the books do as far as major issues. Our children are our, our children are being handed such uh, heavy, heavy subjects so fast. Um, so you're taking you take some of the principles, life lessons that you share in these books for adults and break it down into simpler form for the kids. Exactly. And well, I think that'd be awesome. And to, and to help the parents too. Um, yeah. Yeah, and of course, Kayla uh, is excellent at that uh, and has found success doing that. And I, I can see the the different topics that you talk about are things that kids need to learn at an early age, because I think so often we are so interested in the IQ of the child instead of the EQ uh, of the child. And I think that is huge, huge to our children. I would way prefer uh, my kids and grandkids to learn uh, more about how to get along with other people, how to deal with your own emotions than, you know, what's trigonometry uh, and how to figure that out for something they may never use in their life. Although that's important, but not essential. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think what you just shared is a very big deal. Um, 
I have always, you know, and maybe maybe this was a rationalization. Okay, I admit it. Maybe it was a rationalization because my initial grades were so poor until I hit the eighth grade and the migraines started to go away and my academics began to improve. Um, but I have always felt the most important part of the report card is the comments over on the side <laughs> because that's yeah. the character. That's the character of the being. And although the person may not be able to get A's and B's across it, the character of their being still might make a huge difference to the world and the people in the world, negative or positive. So if you've got a bunch of negative things in that comment, where are they going to go? A bunch of positive things, where are they going to go? Your, like the most classic example is you know, Albert Einstein being told in his, in his early adolescence that he won't amount to anything academic. So to pick pick a skill and go towards it um and had he listened um we wouldn't right. have that Albert Einstein where we do where we do so uh I think it I think you're right it, the comments uh, in the report card is the same as character in life that's great tell you what we're gonna take our commercial break but at the bottom of the hour already I knew it'd fly by I have a whole bunch of questions I want to ask all other than our questions there's comments I wanted to see what you or thinking about like chapter four or five of the book and give people inside of the book. And then when, once we come back, I want to uh, make sure you give everybody the opportunity of, hey, how to get a hold of the book, how to get a hold of you, what website and where to buy it and things like that. Or so we do that up front. 888-627-6008. And we'll be right back after this short, very short commercial break. Hang with us. Publishing that brought you the international bestsellers, A Child Called It, and the Chicken Soup for the Soul series comes the latest book by Dr. Gregory Williams, Shattered by the Darkness. This book describes the horrific abuse that Dr. Williams suffered at the hands of his father for over 12 years and the damaging effect of keeping everything silent about that abuse. For 30 years. If you're looking for that book that you can't put down, then pick up a copy of Shattered by the Darkness by Dr. Gregory Williams at all Barnes and Noble stores, Amazon, and Books a Million. Now, back to Breaking the Silence with Dr. Gregory Williams. Welcome back, 888-627-6008, or you can get right on Breaking the Shattered by the Darkness Facebook page. I'm seeing comments here now, uh, but there is another book or two that you won't put down, like the commercial said about mine, and it is Vincent Dodd's book, Suffer Less in Life and Work and Suffer Less in Death. And just the title of the book, you you have a, a huge point, uh, Vincent. Uh, that it doesn't say suffer less at life and work. It's in. What's the difference? Uh, well, our, our entire life is work. 
whether we're at work getting paid for it or not, or we're doing yard work or keeping up the house or, you know, exchanging in relationships, um, life is work. Yeah. Um, so that is the reason. It's the same thing with the first book, Suffer Less and Death. Uh, I did not title it Suffer Less with Death because I didn't want it to be something over there. I wanted it to people to realize that dying and death is around us. And actually, if we become comfortable with it, it elevates life. Uh, if we get rid of the sack of our fear of death and, and dying and we, we drop it, then it's easier and more open to experience life. Doesn't Do mean you have the books in front of you, uh, Vincent, right now? Yes, I'll hold up the second one. I realized yeah. someone told me I didn't I did not hold it up in yeah. the in the first interview, and they told me that it's like breaking the law to not hold up hold up. <laughs> yeah, some people hold it up all the way through, which is fine. And how do we, we get a hold of that if uh people want to get that tonight? Because everybody ought to buy this one. Well, both of them really. Uh Amazon, Barnes and Noble. It's it's available in numerous forms and in lots of different places. Yeah, I uh, I got the Kindle version, uh, and it was beautifully done in the Kindle version too. Sometimes they're hard in the Kindle version. Yours wasn't, uh, so whoever designed that and put that together did a great job. Uh, and uh, easy read. Press. Gatekeeper Press is my publisher. Yeah, they did a good job, and it, I love doing that because I can highlight, dog ear, bookmark, write notes, and add to it in right and on the Kindle version. So that's a great book. If people want to get a hold of you before we run out of time in another half hour, what's the best way to get in touch with you if they want to reach out? I would imagine that would be just call me. Okay. <laughs> I'm a very simple person. I mean, I could give you an email or two, but uh, I'm okay with, with phone calls. My number is 512-913-9033. It's already pretty much out there anyway. So 512-913-9033. And that doesn't happen very often, folks. If you, people around the world, I, I put mine out there. Vincent, that tells you a little bit about the person, that he cares enough to give back. And time, is that not probably the most valuable uh, resource that we have? And to be able to say, hey, call me any time, like you offered to me a while ago uh, before the show, um, any time of the day is huge. And it shows me a glimpse of not just your masterwork of being a great author, but of a person that has an awesome heart for giving of yourself. And you, and you said, the reason why I gave it is because you give your number. Oh, yeah. You taught me. You gave me the courage. There you go. It works. I, I enjoy it. There is a, uh, a chapter in the book, and I can't remember what we did because I don't watch my own shows because I, I don't like seeing myself. But I don't know if we talked about it, but I believe it's in chapter three of this uh, Suffer Less in Life and Work, which is where I want to focus. There is a line in there called Cut to Heal. What do you mean by that Cut to Heal? Well, it also comes with a disclaimer uh, that I am not talking about self-mutilization or self right. Um I use an example of a, a surgeon that needs to cut into the body in order to find the illness and find the problem in order to repair it. And that's what I encourage throughout the book. And it's why I use myself to open myself up uh, about many aspects of my faults and weaknesses and mistakes. I is that if we can open ourselves up and find the courage to look in, 
then we can heal. And it doesn't necessarily have to be healing a trauma. Uh, we could just be healing uh, or doing better is what I should say. Because if you have the courage to open up and look, then you can say, oh, well, that could use a little help or, hey, that's pretty good the way I do that. And uh, so that's what I mean by cut to heal. Do you do you believe that these principles that you speak of is kind of like, and I'm not comparing the two by any means, but I'm using it as, a, I think, an illustration that'll work, that the Bible says the, the word of God is like a two-edged sword. Uh, it has to cut. Sometimes it hurts. But in that process, it provides us an opportunity to learn, to grow, to be in places that we never thought we would be. So sometimes you have to prune back to blossom in the the tree that we were meant to be. Uh, that pruning process hurts, but it's so needed because I have so much ugliness that can hang off me mentally and emotionally and financially and relationally. I go through the whole Lee family here, uh, but sometimes I need to trim some of that. Boy, trim it hurts. It does. <laughs> Uh, like I, I, it's the scariest thing we do in our life is we look in with honesty. Um, so is that where you get the significance of uh, your chapter? What is it? Uh, five, my damaging ego versus my healthy pride. Um, sometimes I look at everybody. I do this. I did this on the way home from church today. I complained about everybody else's driving, but my driving was worse. And I'll cut them off and and think, well, I'm justified in that. And when somebody else cuts me off, I get mad at them for how dare they? What makes me, do I have an issue with ego and pride when, but what's the difference when I'm looking at other people and looking at myself? I have a theory that people really, a lot of people do not like. Some of them can go, oh, yes, definitely. And then some people have a little bit of an issue with it. Uh, but I think it's a key to a much more peaceful life and a much more peaceful internal presence. And I'll share why. And that is, I believe that by human nature, we are all hypocrites. <laughs> and it's a harsh word. People like to hear it. Uh, but because of the fact that our our minds are one thing on the inside and then our again going back to our defense mechanisms that don't always allow us to see ourselves clearly uh we can either say yes i want to be open to catching my hypocrisies and my double standards because they occur it's a human, oh, human yeah. nature it's human nature but the word has such a negative connotation with it just like the word ignorance has a, a negative connotation with it i have numerous ignorances all ignorance is, is a lack of knowledge. It's not something to be embarrassed of. It's something to, to fix. Right. Um, and hypocrisy is the same way. Uh, if we can go, hey, let me keep an eye out for where I say one thing and do another, we can decrease them. And it's the same thing with our driving. Uh, there's no question about it. We point a lot of fingers when we drive, but when we do it, uh, I ignore it or it's okay. It's no big deal. It's like the number of times I've accidentally moved into someone's lane. Who has not accidentally moved into someone's lane? There's people out there that will road rage over it and you know put bullet holes in your car for doing it. But we've all done it, yeah. which is why when I do it, 
you know, I throw a peace sign, I put my hand on my heart and I mouth, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, because it is a big deal. You know, after I had a human moment, I moved into someone's lane, but I could have easily caused a very major accident. You know, my action is worthy of going, oh, I'm so sorry. But we have we've gotten away from that as a society because we don't like to go, I am a part of the problem. Right. As as we accept that life gets easier. It really does. Uh, because then we can work on it, we can feel better about ourselves, and we can catch more of our hypocrisies and double standards. How do you deal then when you make that shift into personal pain, whether we cause it or someone caused it to us or comes upon us without cause either way? How do you deal with pain in this? If, you're, if your book is suffer less, what if there's pain involved and I'm working too hard uh, or life just handed me a, a, a hand and dealing me a hand that I don't want. Well, how do I deal when it actually is something that I, I'm hurting over? Accept. Accept uh, that uh, we can't fix everything. Uh, it's a good one, good place to start. Uh, you've mentioned spirituality and you know religion a few times. Uh, one of my absolute favorite prayers, of course, is the serenity prayer, whether you're addicted or not. It's an amazing, uh, amazing meditation. But I think the most important part of the serenity prayer is the third line. And yes. you use them to know the difference. And I think that it's a big part of what's destroying uh, us as individuals in our society is when you, you started at the beginning and I made a joke about it. You were talking about fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting. And there is definitely a time to fight. Uh, but there's also a time to to slow down and to say, what what can I really make a difference in here? And how can I make that difference? Um, I think in that in that chapter that I believe that you deal with pain, you have in your wider angle section of that chapter, if I'm if I'm remembering right, of the unique location of my mouth. You keep I love going, that. You keep Explain going to the that to one. me. I love it. Uh, uh, you love the absurd ones, don't you? Yes. You uh, really I, we're talking about the calcidite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I won't tell. I won't tell the entire wider angle. But I have this theory that uh, the reason our mouth is on our chin instead of our forehead is because. If it were on our forehead, there would be no distance between the thought and the spoken word. But if by having it on our chin, it gives us just a little more distance, just a little more distance to decide if we're using the right words or saying the right thing. And trust me, this is one I've only recently gotten halfway good at because I definitely spoke way too much in my youth. Yeah, it gives you the opportunity to hit edit, delete, uh, eject, erase, <laughs> do not send, or just keep my mouth shut. And uh, I, I noticed that even in, when you respond to a question, when I'm being interviewed, I jump on the answer in a New York second. Boom, I'm there. When I ask you a question, you have that hesitancy. And I wish 
I could do that. I I blurt stuff out that I go, oh, I wish I could have. Give me that one back, please. I want to eat that. Oh, it tastes bad. You know, <laughs> I want to get rid of that. But once it, you know, so maybe my my uh, uh, mouth ought to be someplace even further <laughs> than, than my chin. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that, giving me the compliment. I think half the time it's because I am slowing down to think about my answer, and the other half of the time it's just because I don't have a good answer really quickly. <laughs> I give you more credit than what it's worth. <laughs> um, there is um, a situation in life when you talk about um, work, what's important in life, relationships, and I won't even get into the uh, the relationships because you really go raw into relationships, which I love that when you're reading, but we, I don't want to talk about it uh, online. But um, what happens? How do people, when you're giving them wisdom of how to live, how do you give people wisdom when they hear something that's terminal in their life? And your work, I would think, uh, as an emergency room nurse, and even as a police officer, uh, you saw life and death. How do you rearrange that thought process when somebody has news of, hey, wait, my time's limited? Well, you know, it's, it's a, is there any worse news in the world uh, except maybe that of your child? Uh, hearing that oh. is terminal. I think that could be the only thing worse than hearing that yourself is terminal. Um, but the very first thing that I always do besides compassion uh, is to remind people not to become their disease process. Uh, when someone is diagnosed with cancer, their doctor's appointments are about to go way up. The treatment's about to go way up. They're this, this medicine, that medicine, this doctor appointment. Those have to be dealt with but do not become your disease process. Remain the person that you are. Um, it can't be necessarily accomplished, but it means when someone calls you, instead of talking about your doctor's appointments, you still talk about what your thought processes are and what your joys are and you know the meal that you did appreciate. Um, or you have a humanistic conversation with them where you trust them and you say, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do right now. I'm, I don't know how to deal with this. But I think what's important is not to become our disease process. It is a part of us. And if it's terminal, it's definitely horrible, absolutely horrible, shocking news. Uh, but you still don't give the terminal disease your life yet. It will take your life, but you don't give it your life. That's where your free will and choice comes in. That's good. Um, there is a uh, a poem that I wrote down right before we went on air, and I, I use this at funerals a lot. Uh, said, I walked a mile with pleasure, and she chatted all the way, but left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow, and ne'er a word she said, but all the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. And I think in those, that those issues of pain, hurt, can make an impact on us and the things that we learn. But what happens when we get to your 13th chapter and the pain and hurt turns into hatred, blame, and revenge? 
How damaging. And your quote at the beginning of that chapter is awesome. An eye for an eye only ends up making the whole world blind uh, by uh, Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi. Uh, what happens? How do we deal with it turning from the pain, dealing with it or not dealing with it, and it turns into hatred, bitterness, revenge? I think what's important here is to go back to what we discussed a little a few minutes ago about our own hypocrisies and double standards. It would be really hard to find a group of people, a race, a culture that has not inflicted atrocities on other people. And if we truly, you know, want to be forgiven and to move forward with our mistakes, I think it's important that we share that with others. And hatred and blame and revenge is not looking at yourself. It's not using forgiveness and understanding and walking on. Are there things that occur that are unforgivable? Yes. Um, I, someone recently uh, read a couple of paragraphs and quoted me back to me and said, well, what about, you know, the death camps of World War II? Six million Jewish people killed. Uh do we let that go? And I said, well, that was actually only 80 years ago and the blood is barely dry. So it's hard to forgive that type of thing uh, this, this soon. But at the same time, how long do you want to hold on to something? We know how, we know how long we can be angry with someone, but how long do we need to be angry with someone and how productive is it eventually? But always protect yourself from bad, whatever the bad element is. Uh, but to live uh, in hopes of revenge and, and hatred and anger as a drive, I think it's also not only does it destroy the person, as I mentioned over and over again, but it is destroying us. And we're seeing it in all aspects of our society. Yeah, we are. And we really need to be trying to turn it back in the opposite direction. And I think realizing what we talked about a minute ago is what are our hypocrisies? What are our double standards? Uh, what did my people do to other people, et cetera, et cetera? Um, how can we move forward from this? Um, and, when, with that thought in mind, and we only have a few minutes, a really short time. How much does spirituality, because you talk about it, but we won't get into the politics. Thank goodness we didn't get to that. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> but spirituality, how much does that play in the role of keeping the hatred, the blame, the revenge down? or even the understanding of a need to forgive uh, for us, not them. What, what impact, importance do you place on spirituality? Um, spirituality in itself, I place a huge amount. I don't think spirituality uh, is responsible for the hatred and vengeance um, that people have done in the name of religion. Um, spirituality doesn't usually carry a lot of hatred, blame, anger, and getting even. Um, but there are, you know, in, in all of the religions that I have looked at and, and studied, uh, somewhere in there, there, there is uh, something about, well, it's okay if. And there are times to defend ourselves. I'm not going to remove that. Uh, I'm the last person you have to tell that, you know, uh, you have to defend yourself at times. But it's not something that necessarily has to be brought forward. If you want the future to be peaceful, 
you want us to move on into uh, problem solution and you want to leave the past in the past. And, and if you want to keep carrying it, that's your choice, but it's not helping. It's not helping you. It's not helping anyone else at this point, especially if you find that courage to slice yourself open and see what you have inflicted on others. What have your people inflicted on others? We've got to break the cycle. Um, it's, it's really important because it's also a very vicious forward moving cycle anger blame and revenge creates more anger blame and revenge so if we're going to stop it we have to bring it on back and realize that we can break a cycle yeah we got one minute vincent i'm gonna let you have it what words of wisdom would you want our listeners to hear right now from the man of wisdom me (laughs) yeah i'm talking to you uh Treat yourself well. I ended the last one talking about being a human being. The basics are so important. We have a we have a world filled with fancy. We have a world filled with all sorts of exercises, all sorts of nutrition. I encourage you in the last minute is to take care, good care of yourself. Move your body. It's meant to be moved. Remember what you put in it is so important. Uh, stay away from the, the process and the simple sugars if you can. Exercise, uh, get out and move. So many times we, uh, and, and depression is a classic example of it, we don't want to move. We fall over or we have busy days. We have a busy life. When we come home, we go, oh, I just want to fall over. But, you know, energy is an interesting thing because when we burn energy, we produce energy. So sometimes we say, oh, I'm so tired, I need to sleep. Actually, what we need is the exact opposite. We need to start doing more. Move move your body. It's been Our bodies have been moving for millions of years, as I said before, and now we only have about 140 years that conveniences have slowed us down to the point that we pay a membership and we go into a gym to move our bodies um, because we're not moving them in other directions. So move, do, sleep, get your rest. Uh, this is a tough one for me after 21 years of weekend nights. My circadian rhythm is still messed up, uh, which is why I talk about the techniques that I use to have a better night's sleep. Be good to yourself is what I would end with. Be good wisdom. Hold up your book one more time, Vincent. This is the book you all need to get tonight. Start reading it tonight and your week will be better next week. Suffer less in life and work by the masterful Vincent Dodd. Vincent, thanks for being with us tonight. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me back. Thank you to your audience. Thank you. Okay, so much. Anytime you want to come back on, you're always welcome here, my friend. Thank you. Okay. Appreciate you being here. Okay. Like we like to end each and every week. I always like to let you know that there's hope that no matter what's going on. And I think Vincent had an excellent point there. It's time to, it, it kind of full circles, everything we talked about. It's time to fight for what you want. What are you waiting on? What What, what are you waiting for? To sit back and not enjoy life, enjoy and start living life to the fullest right now. Fight for it. Believe in hope. Hang into hope. Lean into hope. It's there for you. Don't sit back. Move. Get up and move towards it. Make the first step. You are darn well worth it. I promise you that. Join us right here next week for another edition of Breaking the Silence from Houston, Texas. Vincent, thanks for being with us. God bless you all, and have an awesome, awesome week. And remember to fight for life.
God bless. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Breaking the Silence with Dr. Gregory Williams. To contact Dr. Williams, dial 832-396-6525 or email him at shatteredbythedarkness at gmail.com. And don't forget to join us each Sunday night at 8 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Pacific on BBS Radio Station 1 for the next episode of Breaking the Silence. Thank you.